give me a husband like my dad. I was the only friend. I said, what do you want to see in a guy that you marry? Somebody like my dad. <laughs> so I remember when I met Pastor Eddie. So we were friends and we're prayer partners. So I used to say to him, so different guys were talking to me at that time. So I'll tell him about the guys that are talking to me. I said, so why don't you want that person? Because he's not like my dad. So at some point, <laughs> at some point um, it was very obvious that it was the one that God has for me and has me for. So uh, he said, let me just tell you something. I, I am not like your dad. I will not iron your shirts. <laughs> my dad irons our shirts. <laughs> I will not do your gardening. My dad used to do our gardening. My dad used to do everything. So I wanted somebody that would do everything. That was my understanding of, of a good dad, amongst many things. So it's what, it was. truly, we got married and he didn't do my ironing. <laughs> but I, I, I say to you that I didn't run back to my father's house because he didn't do my ironing, because he did many, many more things than my father could have done. So that's me. I had a good dad. I said, have a good dad. Last week, Pastor talked about so many types of dads. Good dads, abusive dads, aggressive dads, um, competitive dads, any dad you can think about. He didn't talk about good dads. So. so I was thinking, where's my dad? Where's my dad? Where's my dad? Do you know that despite the fact that I have a good dad, God still gave me a great dad, and God himself became a great dad for me. That is, I thought I had, but he knew I didn't have some things. That there are some things that my physical dad could never give me that he provided for me within the Christian environment. There were things that my physical dad could never, places he could never have taken me into, that God took me into by himself. So my point to you all this morning is, whether you had a great dad, an abusive dad, an aggressive dad, a rubbish dad, an, an absent dad, whatever the dad is. There's only so far they could have taken you. So stop the pity party. Because God has made provision for you in Christ. The Bible says it sets the lonely in families. Let's start with that. So he set you in a family for a purpose. So if we go back to the scripture that Pastor read last week, Malachi chapter 5. I'm going to go through quite a few things today, so write them down. Pastor is in the Lagos Church at the moment, and he's back on Tuesday, so he will be back with us on Sunday. Sunday, so he's around from Tuesday, so if you need to see him during the week. But on Sunday, he'll be preaching to us, continuing the same Who's Your Daddy series, and he will be anointing all of us because it's also Father's Day. Malachi chapter 4. Let's read verses 5 to 6. For behold, the day is coming, burning, uh, no, behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. The next verse. And it will turn the hearts of the father to the children and the hearts of the children to the father, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. When the hearts of the father and children are not knit together, a curse is inevitable. When the hearts of a father and a son or a child are not knit together and not connected, some things can never fall in place in your life. But I am not just talking about your physical dad. Why did I say that? Matthew chapter 1 from verse 1. Matthew 1, 1, Pastor read it last week as well. Can I have that please? It says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David and the son of Abraham. Jesus physically speaking is the son of Joseph, 
But spiritually speaking, by root, by covenant, is the son of David and the son of Abraham, the covenant father. The blessing of a covenant father is what I want to talk to you about today. And God has provided this blessing for you, whether you have a physical dad that is great or you have a physical dad that is not as great or you didn't even physically speaking have a physical dad. Every one of us have got a dad. And we don't have two daddies. It doesn't make a difference what the society says. Only one biological dad. Somebody gave birth to you. They might not have raised you, but they gave birth to you. The same thing goes in Christianity. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to read from verse 14. Write the scriptures down so you can go back home and check them, test them, read them, study them. Say, I do write these things to you. These things, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. Then he said a few things about his warning. Next verse. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you do not have many fathers. You can have a million mentors. You can have a million teachers. 10,000, it says. I don't know anyone to date. I've had 10,000 teachers. There are many of us as spiritual all over the place. There are so many, you know, pastors on, on podcasts, pastor on TV, pastor on YouTube, pastor on this, pastor on that, pastor on the other, and that's interesting. But they're not your father. You may have 10,000 instructors. You may have 10,000 mentors. But that is not the father. God has provided for you a father in Christ. God has set you in a family that has a father. And that's the way Christianity works. If you're born again and spirit-filled, you need to be a part of a church. Settle in it so you can get the blessings of it. So talking about fathers and the difference between them and a mentor. A mentor stroke a teacher will teach you. It doesn't matter how great a teacher is. At the end of the day, you've got to go home. I've had good teachers in my time. I was saying, I've always said this, I don't think I've ever had a teacher that didn't like me. If that teacher didn't like me, they are from hell. <laughs> I was like, I was the student everybody would hate in class, if you see what I mean. I'm always in class early. I always do my assignment. I don't like trouble. <laughs> That's the baseline of a story. Because I don't like trouble, I do everything as much as I know to do. So every teacher will love me very easily. But with the best of intentions, it doesn't matter how much they love me, they can't take me home. I got to go back home to mom and dad. I got to go back home to the father. So you can go anywhere and everywhere and listen to anything and everything. You have to have a home with a father. Another thing is, your teacher will only impart knowledge. Your mentors can impart knowledge. But your spiritual father imparts life. They actually give an enforcement, like a spiritual force that makes things happen. That is what a spiritual father or a covenant father brings to the table. When God sets you in a family and puts a father over you, a spiritual father, it's because God wants to bless you. God has things he does and he does them in order. It doesn't matter how much you don't like something, he does things in order. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You can't say, well, Isaac didn't do a lot. It should be a God of Abraham and Jacob only. Ah. It even says a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. 
Because Jacob, his lifestyle wasn't great. But God still does things in order. God is a God of structure. And the structure you are set to take care of you, irrespective of where you are coming from, good dad, bad dad, great dad, rubbish dad, it doesn't make a difference in Christ because that structure is he has set a covenant father like he did for Jesus, he has done it for you. Set him over you in the place of your spiritual father. They impart something into your life. They give you spiritual force. A teacher can like you when you do well. I am yet to see a teacher that likes a kid that misbehaves, that likes a kid that doesn't listen, that likes a kid that doesn't do well. I'm yet to see a teacher. They're human beings. But a father must love you irrespective. I don't know the amount of times you've disobeyed your dad. Has he changed your surname yet? Has he pushed you out of home yet? He can tell you, you're not coming back, you're not coming back, you're not coming back here. When you come back, they open the door for you again. Have I ever told you the story of our little boy when he once came up? One day he said he didn't like the rules in the house. The rules were too many in our home. He said, I've decided that I'm going to move out. It was only five. <laughs> so he had this silly bag he carried everywhere he went. And he was carrying the thing. And he said, I've decided I'm moving out today because the laws are too many in this house. He didn't even know the laws yet. I mean, five, come on, laws were still coming. So he packed whatever he could pack. And his father opened the door for him, and he stepped out. So we had a little gate in front of the house we used to live then. He went through that little gate. I said, Sosa, what are we doing? That's Pastor Eddie's other name. I call him Sosa sometimes. He said, let him go. So he went out through the first gate and the second gate. And then he stood in the corner, which his father was watching. We were not irresponsible parents, by the way. Was watching him from the top of the stairs. And after a while... 10 minutes, maybe 20. He came back. He couldn't reach the bell. It's too short. <laughs> so he knocked the door. Knocked a few times. And the dad looked through the letter hole. I said, can I help? I've forgiven both of you. Can I come back? <laughs> can I come back in, please? No, can I come back in? I've forgiven both of you. I've let it go. So can I come back? The dad said, no, you can't come back. I'm renting out your room. I'm already clearing it out as we speak. But dad, I said, I've forgiven you. And I said, no, I don't want to be forgiven. So after a few more minutes drama, my house has dramas in it. After a few more minutes drama, the dad opened the in your life, don't you ever threaten me again. But you know what? He still let him in. That's what a father does. Even when you pack your stuff and say, I'm leaving, and you come back, if father still lets you in. If you do that to a mentor, you say, no, thank you very much. My time is too valuable for this rubbish. Get out. A mentor can take care of you from afar every so often, but the father will always be there to care for you, no matter what. It doesn't matter who you listen to anywhere. The day you fall sick, guess who you will call? Your pastor. Guess who will come and stay with you in the hospital? Your pastor. If you lose something, guess who will be there? Your pastor. Your spiritual father. That's what fathers do. Fathers protect. Fathers provide. Fathers care for. And in that first, Timos, first Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 through to 21, there are quite a few things there that was written that Paul did for the Corinthian church. Paul was the one that gave birth to them. And Paul was the one that nurtured them. And just like we don't choose 
the family will get born into there. Some of us, if you ask us, we will never get born into that family. You think, God, give me the family down the road because this family is crazy and I don't want to be here. But you don't choose which family you get born into. We're just here. The same thing happens spiritually, actually. There is a place maybe where you get born again or a place that God has set you. So the first thing is make sure God sets you here. Because the place where God sets you is the place where you receive the blessing. One day I'm going to teach you about the blessings of your position. That's a different message for another day. There are blessings that come with places and positions. If Abraham had gone to a different mountain, he would have killed his son. Not because God has not provided an option, but just because Abraham was in the wrong place. That's another message for another day. But as I say and continue with this, the place that God sets you as a spiritual father is that place, uh, as, a, as a spiritual house, is that place where he is planned to nurture you. So he sets you there or sends you there or gives you a word that makes you know this is the place for me. Maybe the man of God there speaks a word that resonates with your spirit. Maybe there's something that you walk through and God says, this is your place. Maybe you're not mature enough to know that God is saying that this place is your place, but you just feel a sense of belonging and being at home settled down there. Settle down there. P used to say to people, settle down. Do you know for a long time I didn't understand what it meant? When I started studying the scripture, he would say, you're here now, are you? You say, yes, settle down. Many of us are not settled. If you're not settled, you can never get the blessing of a place. The blessing flows to the settled person. There was a particular person I knew. They were so they will do so much in a place. When it's almost time for them to reap, guess what? They just up it and they go. And they come back to another place and start all over again. And they just up it and they go. The blessings does not flow into the life of someone like that. Don't just attend church. Be part of a house and let the spiritual father that God has put over that house be a cover for you. Now. There are a few things I mentioned, but covering is what I wanted to focus on. The first one is that a spiritual father, as is shown in that scripture, it chastises us. He said in that first Corinthians chapter 4, he said, I am warning you. A genuine spiritual father or covenant father will chastise you, will correct you. If you've lived your life in such a place and way that people don't correct you and you think that is good, it is bad. In actual fact, if you're not corrected, it's because you're not loved. If you're not given an assignment or told to do something, something is not right somewhere. When our son first got to uh, uh, grammar school, it was assignment upon assignment upon assignment, and it just won't stop. Then our daughter got into grammar school for girls. There was no assignment, and I panicked. Because in that same school, where he was getting assignment upon assignment, the boy, some people said there were no assignments. In that same church, when somebody's getting chastised and corrected, some people say, oh, pastor is so loving, he doesn't even correct you. That's a problem. Oh, my dad is such a lovely dad, he never corrects us. That is a big problem. Anyone that the father loves, the Bible says, he chastises. Chastise means correct. The second thing that a father does for his children, he cares for them. And it's in that scripture as well. So when you go back to read that scripture, verse 15, it cares for them. 14 shows that it chastises. 15 shows that a spiritual father cares. I've talked about care earlier on. 16 shows that it doesn't just do that. It communicates. It talks to you. It talks to you. That's in verses 16 and 17. But because that's not where I'm going, I don't want to dwell too much on it. I'm just showing you something to look out for when you study that scripture. And then the next one is that a 
covers you. And that's where I'm going. He covers you. The job of a spiritual father, of a spiritual house, is to provide covering for you. That is the biggest job. The blessing does not flow where there's no covering. What does covering even mean? It is when God provides somebody that can watch your back, that can see your blind spots, that can show you that something is wrong about the decision you're about to make when you can't see it. My spiritual father used to say, if we have seen brighter, it's because we stood on the shoulders of men. It is that person who showed that you can stand on to see brighter and see further than you will ever have seen. So you don't need to see, but because he sees, you see. That's a spiritual father. A spiritual father provides covering for his children. He sees your blind spots. He prepares you. And the spiritual virtue that walks in his life flows in you if you are connected. If you are connected. Let me show you a quick scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. The Bible says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. That's Paul talking. As my forefathers did. As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. Your spiritual father is that person that remembers you in his prayer night and day. They'll pray for you whether you're there or not there. That's the person God has put as a covenant father over you. When they do that, it releases the blessings and the plans of God for your life. There are things that can hang in the skies over your, over your life. The Bible says, if the cloud be full, the rain cannot but fall. But the cloud needs to be full. In some people's life, the cloud is not yet full. So yes, you are sowing, yes, you are serving, yes, you are drinking, but the cloud is not yet full. Until the cloud is full, the blessings will not fall. But unfortunately, some of us remove ourselves from the covering and all of a sudden, by the time the blessings fall, it falls on somebody else. Or it doesn't even fall at all. Now you start all over again somewhere else. I want to implore you that there is somebody God has designed to pray for you day and night because God is a good father and he has blessings in store which he has passed through the mouth of the person who has put you under for a purpose. The Bible then made us understand as we read that same scripture that this man prays for you day and night. Let me ask your neighbor, who is praying for you? Ask them, ask them again, who is praying for you? By the way, don't answer, it's a rhetorical question. Don't, don't answer that question. But how do you then connect? Because I've said all of these things. So you now know that your spiritual father has a blessing in his mouth and in his life that God wants to put over you. But how do you connect to it? How do you get it? How do you get that thing that God has given to them? I remember I used to say to Pastor Eddie, when I first got to meet him as a single girl, I remember I used to say to him that I know God is with you. And that's one of the major reasons why I'm marrying you. <laughs> that is, I know God is with you, so there's a covenant over your life. I told him, if it doesn't work for anybody, it works for him. I saw it when he was single. So I said, I married, I always, I joke with him, I said, I married your future, not your present, because I knew God was with him. And it was a big deal for me. For me to hang around and hang out with somebody that God is with was a big deal for me. And I've not regretted it. But how do you then connect with the blessing that God has put in the mouth of a covenant father for you. The Bible made us understand Psalm 133, verses 1 to 3. Let's quickly read that together. Psalm 133, from verse 1. Say, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity, in connection, together. 
It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down the beards, and the beard of Aaron running down to the edge of his garment. What does that even mean? It means that when you are connected, the blessing, the oil, the anointing will flow from the head. And it will flow down to the beads. And it will flow down to the end of the skirt. Which means everybody or every part that is connected gets the oil. The oil is the grace for the blessing that we're looking for. There is so much hard work if there is no oil flowing in your life. There's so much. And you see people that work so hard and get nothing out of it. There is no oil in their life. So they just exert so much energy. The results that we get when we exhaust so much energy uh, and, and, and not get anything because there's no anointing is different from a man that just stands up and things just work for them. Why would he work for one and not the other? Somebody's under grace and the other person is not. Somebody's under blessing and another person is not. Somebody's under an anointing so the other person is not. Somebody's under covering and it makes a difference. It makes such a difference. Had a good dad. But God wanted to give me a great blessing. So put me on that spiritual dad. It put me in a place where grace can flow. With the best of intentions, my dad can open any door for me as far as he knows. But my heavenly dad, who knew I was going to go to places where he can't open door for me, put me under a spiritual father that can open many, 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 many doors for me. When we were going to get married, we went to visit our, went to visit our spiritual father. We sat with him. He only said one thing. He said, the, that's the only marriage counseling we got from him. He said, look at us. I looked at him and I said, Richard, mom. He said, have we fought once? He asked her. She said, no. I said, that time they've been married for over 30 years. They had not fought once. He said, does she look stressed? I said, no. He asked me, he asked Pastor Eddie. He asked me, he asked Pastor Eddie. So when he finished, he said, look at us. And he just stood up. He said, that's it, done. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he said, imitate me. Look at us. That is, there is a place God puts you where things just works for you because of who you are under. So it's not a surprise. 26 years on, we've not had the first fight. Even though we speak different language and we see the world from two totally different perspectives. I see from my height. He sees from his height. So you can imagine the difference. This height is even, you know, a little bit. So it gets worse. It depends on the time of the day. We don't speak the same language. We don't come from the same place. I don't speak his language. Yes, we don't fight. But you speak the same language as the next person and you are constantly bickering. There's a grace. It's not because I know how to do it. It's not because I'm a good person. It's not because he's a great person. It's because there's a covering. Connects to the covering. The Bible made us understand that the oil flows from the aid of Aaron all the way to the beard, all the way to the skirt. Every part of that body is covered. If you are connected, please stay connected and connect properly. How do you connect? The, the best way to read how to connect is in the book of 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. I want you to go and read it in your own time from verse 1, mainly from verse 2 really, all the way down. It was the journey that Elijah and Elisha took. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here please for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. Now listen, he said the Lord has sent him to the next town. But Elisha said, as the Lord leads, as your soul leads, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel together. Next verse. And then he got to Bethel and he said, now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take your master away from you today? He didn't say God was taking him away. He said God was taking him to Bethel. But everybody else knew God was taking him away. But the man, that is the son that is following him. 
But the son was following him from stage to stage. I don't care what everybody else sees. Ah, everybody else is saying this, that, and the other. And do you want to know one funny thing about that story? Every time they leave a town, they leave those people that know the story in that town. Those people are not going to experience the greater things. They know all the story, but they're not partaking. Yet, Elisha keep following. He went to Bethel, from Bethel to Jericho, from Jericho to Jordan, before God took him off. But he kept seeking. That's the first thing. You want to connect and connect properly? Seek. Pursuit. You've got to pursue. Seek to spend time. Seek to know the spiritual father that God has put over you. You want to get the blessing. You want to be connected. Seek to know him. Seek to know him. Seek to know him. When you seek to know somebody, you get to know them. Sometimes you say, oh, but pastor's got favorite. No, that favorite sought to know him. Everybody came the same day. Somebody got into his heart. How come you're not there? Seek to know him. My father, my stepfather, oh, my stepfather, my father-in-law is a very quiet man, extremely quiet. Pastor's family, there are eight of them. My family were six of us. At that together, there are 14. Before the wives. Because all the, in the pastor's family, there are wives, because they are boys. <laughs> there are seven boys and, seven boys and, uh, no, five boys and two, so something, anyway. Two girls and six boys. On my side, one boy and five girls, loads and loads of people. Then all the boys are married. So multiply the eight, six by two, which makes 12, right? 12 plus the other two, basically, in the family plus the grandchildren. By the time you put all of us together in pastor's side, we're like 20. We're a whole team. We're a family, man. If we start a church, the church is full. <laughs> but my father-in-law is a very quiet man. He really doesn't talk, genuinely speaking. But he talks to me. He, he says a lot to me. When he calls, he doesn't stop talking. When I go to visit, he doesn't stop talking. But everybody, they say, well, daddy, just leave daddy. Daddy doesn't talk. Daddy doesn't. But why would daddy talk to me and not to everybody else? I sought. I pursued. I sought him. I spent time. I sat with him. I insisted. Daddy, let me come and spend the day with you. Boy, Bola, what are you going to do? Let me come and spend the day with you. Oh, but he would do nothing. It's fine. I don't watch African movies. But my father-in-law will sit down and be watching the movies. I hate them with a passion, but I will sit with him anyway. Just because I sought to spend time with him. So, prior to me getting into that family, nobody remembers anybody's birthday. It's not their thing. In my home, you know, I told you my dad's a real good dad, so everybody's birthday is a big deal. Everybody's birthday, my mom and dad cook for themselves. After all of us have left home. The bake cake or make something, you know, it's always really everything is everything is a big deal in my home when I was growing up. In Baseri's home, they don't celebrate anything. So I got there. I was the first wife. Because I was he's the first one. And we first got married, and I said to them, from now was everybody will celebrate my birthday. Because where I'm coming from, they celebrate me so much. <laughs> so a day before my birthday, I would call daddy. I said, Daddy, it will be my birthday tomorrow. So remember to call me, okay? <laughs> and I will get a card and I will get this. I will tell him what I want. <laughs> Do you know up till now? Daddy does not forget mine, nor the children, nor even Pastor Reddy's birthday. Everything changed by seeking. When you seek, you find. When you seek and it says, well, stay in Bethel, it's fine. You know, that's where we are going. And you get to Bethel and you stop. You don't get the detail of what God wants to give to you. You want the blessing? Seek. Seek in. It's a, con pres it's a present continuous, they call it. It's a continuous thing. 
The next one there is not just singing, serving. Elisha served Elijah. Elisha served Elijah. Over the last um, two Fridays, I've been teaching about how Eli was served by Samuel and Samuel passed something, Eli passed something on to Samuel. While I was reading the story of Elijah and Elisha, I realized something. Do you know that Elijah did not want to drop the mantle? He didn't want to drop the blessing. He did not want to drop it. I discovered, as I was reading that scripture, I got to show you this. I discovered something last night. It dropped. It didn't leave it. It dropped. <laughs> that is, even though this guy served and served and served and served, even God said that this service has to be rewarded. So when Elijah was being taken to heaven, the Bible said, and the mantle dropped on Elijah. Elijah did not say, take. God had to collect it and give it to the guy. I said, this blessing, he must get it because he has served you so much. Service releases connectivity that gets you to the place of blessing. Serve. Serve your spiritual father. Serve in your spiritual home. It works. I promise you, it works. When we came to the United Kingdom, we came with only 60 pounds. I remember saying, God, I don't know where to turn to. I had no friends. I knew nobody. I came first with um, um, our little boy, and I was pregnant with the little girl. And uh, so we got here. We were staying in a room in the house with the family. And I remember just before I left, so I said, Bola, we know no man in that land. But one thing is this. If we serve God faithfully, God will bless us in the land. He's been faithful to his word. So if I have anything on me at all that is more than 60 pounds, God gave it to me here. God gave it to me here because he's faithful to his word. Service pays. The next one there is submitting. It's a present continuous word I said. It's very difficult to submit. Particularly when you're used to being the, maybe you're the firstborn. Maybe you've fended for yourself for a while. Maybe there was an absent dad. Maybe, maybe, maybe there are many maybes. Now make people not submit. Maybe you've even been abused. Maybe this whole submission thing has been messed up and you're thinking, no chance. Am I ever going to submit to anybody again? Submitting releases the blessing of a good father upon your life. God doesn't break his principles. Learn to submit. Ask yourself, is this my flesh? When they say, sit down here, sit down. When they say, go, go. This guy, Elijah said, look, don't go this place. Go this way. And it kept following him. He submitted his own will, his own desires, his own things that he desired, that he really wanted to do. He submitted it to Elijah. And little wonder, he got the blessing when the time came. If you submit, first of all, God blesses you for submitting. Then secondly, God makes sure that anything that belongs to you gets given to you. And I believe very, very strongly that's one of the reasons why God made sure that that mantle dropped. I'm sure Elijah was ready to carry that mantle to heaven. He didn't want to drop it. God had to cause a wind to come and the whirlwind came and carried Elijah away and he dropped. That is, oh my goodness, and he can't come back to pick it anymore. But when he dropped, who did he drop to? Who did he drop on? He dropped on the man that I've been serving. It dropped on the man that I've been submitting. It dropped on the man that I've been seeking. It dropped on the man that I've been sowing. That's the last one, sowing. Sowing works. Sowing works. I know that many people have, you know, abused the word sowing. And you might do, when you say sowing. But the truth is, God has principles. If you sow, you reap. If you don't sow, you don't reap. It's just that way. I remember when Pastor Eddie was going to Cyprus. When our church then was, we just literally got married. Our church then was about 2,000 people or thereabout. And um, he decided, his dad gave him $50 and some naira. And he decided to sow the $50 to our man of God and our spiritual father. So he went to drop it in his home by his gates and put a name on it. And just say from 
Esosa and Bola, the just married couple, because that's what he remembered was us. And um, on my way to Cyprus now, it was, there's no way he was going to be able to see him. And then he dropped it and then he left. I was in service a couple of weeks later. From absolutely nowhere, somebody came to me and said, the bishop wants to see you. So I went to see him. He said, how is my son? I was so shocked and taken away. I was so excited. He still remembers us. Oh, I can't believe it. He said, I know he's in Cyprus and I'm praying for him. And I remember that scripture. The spiritual father is the one that is praying for you day and night. And there were many, many obstacles that Pastor Eddie had on his way in Cyprus and many doors that God opened for him. Somebody somewhere was praying. Somebody's blessing was working. Somebody's anointing was working. Somebody's grace was bigger than what himself and myself or what our fathers could have given us. There's a great grace. There is a great anointing. The plan of God as a good father is to bless you. It's a good dad. But when he wants to bless you, it connects you or it puts you in a place where you have a good father over you, a good spiritual covenant father. But it's your job to connect with him. Connect by submitting. Connect by seeking. Get to know your pastor. Get to know your pastor. This pastor has said it many times in this place, and I've seen him do it at home. If you give him a card, look, look. He loves words. He loves cards. I was saying earlier that I spoke with a, a young lady yesterday. We were spending time together, and she said something about her physical dad. And I said, did you tell him? She said, no. I said, tell him. She said, but I don't know how to tell him. I said, but tell him just the same way you told me, you know, that you appreciate somebody. Tell them that you, you know, I, do you know what, pastor? I'm so grateful to God you are in my life. Tell him. Tell him. Oh, he knows. He doesn't know. Oh, I said it yesterday. Say it again. Say it again. We tell God the same things, don't we? Every time, the same thing over and over again. I mean, if your words have increased between last time you prayed and now, just tell me. If you, re if you realize, you use the same Bible verses every time. And why do you keep saying the same thing to God then? Tell him. God, I love you. I still love you. And I still love you. And I still love you again. Tell him. Oh, but he knows I love him. Tell him. When cards are given, when it's Father's Day, Father's Day is coming next week, I want to implore you, advise you, buy a card for your pastor. Don't just give him a blank card. I mean, blank card is from Bola to Sosa. He doesn't like it. Let me just tell you. He takes it. He's grateful that you thought about it, that you did it. Let me tell you what he prefers. That you write something, no matter how little. That you write something. So all of a sudden, it's personal. You've put thoughts into it. Thoughts matters to your pastor. Words matters to your pastor. The little gifts matters to your pastor. And it doesn't even need to be expensive. But that you actually took time out to go and look for it and come back, it's a big deal. I end with this story. I remember my, my son, I used to say to him, what do you think if it's your best? So somebody came visiting us from Africa and gave him money. And he said, why would anybody give anybody money? Obviously. He doesn't understand. So I said, because they appreciate you. He said, but I think that's lazy. I said, what do you mean that's lazy? He said, because if you've put thought into it, surely you've got to go and get something. But what's the point of giving me money? I said, because that's what we Africans do. <laughs> so I just thought about it. I thought, to be honest, I could use that same five pounds to buy something, no matter how little. I said, Pastor, I got you a cup of coffee or whatever. I'm not saying get him coffee, by the way. But I'm just saying it means so, so much. Rise to your feet. God wants to bless you. But when God blesses, it blesses within a context. God has put a good father over you. And it doesn't matter where you're coming from and how bad your dad is. If he was bad, 
or how good your dad is if he's a good one. God can surpass that and he surpassed it by giving you a covenant father. A covenant father is the one that carries something upon him that can bless you beyond what you could ever have done for yourself or your father could have done for you. Lift your hands to heaven. I don't know which aspect of this sermon touches you the most, but pray for yourself today that God would help you. God will help you. In seeking, God will help you. In sowing, God will help you. In submitting, God will help you. Pray that God will help you when it comes to serving. He will help you know what to do, where to do it. Because he has blessings in store for you. When, when Isaac wanted to drop blessings, he told his son to go and do something for him. That he could have easily found a home. He doesn't need anything. Honestly, he never needed a meal. He needed to know the heart of Isaac. Uh, out of Esau. He didn't need a meal. But he needed the heart of Esau. That, needed, that connection was needed for the blessing to flow. Connection is always needed for blessings to flow. Ask the Lord to show you how you can connect in the house that he has planted you in. That his blessing can flow in and through you. In Jesus' precious name we've prayed. In Jesus' precious name we've prayed.